Amen. Well, good morning. Well, I have done some research in this Greek language that I don't speak. And I did some research, and I found out the best way to describe from the Greek the worship we had today was shoot that thing. Amen. That was one. Come on, get the, get the band and the Lord a round of applause. It just spoke my heart. I am so grateful and excited to be back with you uh, this week as we begin our brand new series. It's based on the song "Graves into Gardens." What we sang, uh, the first song we sang um, this morning, and it has many uh, catchphrases. There are about five or six catchphrases that reference events or scriptures in the Bible. So what we're going to do over the next six weeks, we're going to take those events or scriptures and we're going to preach about them, uh, celebrating. The key thought is this. There are two key lines in that song you cannot miss. One is, Jesus, nothing's better than you. Amen. Amen. Nothing's better than you. And then this key phrase here in the bottom scripture, uh, bottom screen, celebrating the goodness of the only one who can. When we face difficult situations in our life and we come to the conclusion, Jesus, you are the only one who can. And that is dependence and that is reliance on God. And I really think that's why what God is trying to teach us in some of the days um, that we are living in today. Now today we're going to talk about Ezekiel 37. It's a great scripture about Ezekiel and he finds himself smack dab in the middle of a valley of dry bones. And after he preaches partway through the message, uh, these bones begin to move and there is a rattling sound is the way he puts it in the text. There's a rattling sound. And I want to encourage you today to listen for the rattling sound as God does something great in our midst. Again, only he can do it, but he can do it. He can do it. I know we are so frustrated with culture and with our country and, and, and all the situation that we face in that. And I want to leave you encouraged today that, hey, God, you're the only one that can, but you can. Now, I found an illustration from, and it involves a guy named Frederick Nolan. And I'm not sure if he was a missionary, a preacher, or what. But the bottom line is, he found himself in North Africa and he was being pursued by a group of men and men who wanted to kill him. So he ran and got ahead of them. And by the way, this is a true story. And so he finds himself a cave. He, he looks and there's a cave. He runs into the cave. But he also realizes this. They're going to get him. They're going to get him. And so he's really waiting to die. And as he's sitting there waiting for this mob of men to show up and take his life... He notices that a spider is spinning a web across the mouth of the cave. And so sure enough, here come the men, but they look at the cave and they see that this spider web across the mouth and they logically conclude that he cannot be in the cave because of the spider web that is there and they move on. When he comes out of the cave, he exclaims and says this. He said... When God is there, a spider web becomes a wall. And when God is not there, a wall becomes a spider web. In other words, in other words, what we cannot do, God can do. What we cannot do, God can do. And no matter how difficult the situation is today, then we have the promise that He is 
able. He is able. And the cool part is, we play such a massive role as the church. We play such a massive role in these events that are unfolding before us today. Our scripture is Ezekiel 37, uh, starting in verse number 1. We're going to break verse number 1 up several places, and then we're going to continue through. But Ezekiel 37, 1, Ezekiel's a prophet of God. The setup is this, um, Israel's a mess. Israel's a mess. Um, they, they morally, uh, spiritually, um, economically, every way you can name, they're a mess. Okay? And by the way, does that sound familiar? Yeah, it's kind of like America today. It's the country that we love. It's scripturally and morally and, and economically and politically. It's just a mess. It's just a mess. And that's the state of Israel. Okay? And so God is going to speak to his prophet concerning the nation of Israel. The truths that, that were there, we can bring up into our present today. And the words I would use today would be words like revival, uh, resurrection, restoration, and renewal. That God wants to do a great work, just like he wanted to do a great work in Israel, he wants to do a great work in our lives and life of our country today. So it starts out by the word of God simply saying this, the hand of the Lord was on me. And all this simply means this, is that, that he's... Ezekiel is acknowledging that God is setting him apart for a particular message. And that is so true of the church. We need to know this. We need to know this. That God has set us apart throughout the ages. His church has been set apart for a particular mission. But never is that truer than it is today. God's hand is on his church not to, be, not to be a political unit, not to be a social unit, not to be a social club, but God's hand is on his church for a particular reason. Now, we kind of get a glimpse of that reason. We're going to get a bigger picture. But in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, um, Jesus was at church. You know, Jesus went to church, and he was there. And because he was a visiting rabbi, they handed him the scroll that was Isaiah. And so he found in the book of Isaiah a particular portion, okay, and reads this. And here's what that portion says. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach uh, good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this was, this was Christ's mantra. This was his mission. This was his mission, and this was his commission. He was there. You know, the prophet Isaiah prophesied this, okay? But then Jesus says, this is me. This is now. Now, here's the important part. Christ's mission is the mission of the church. Yeah, come on. Let me, let me say that again. Christ's mission is the mission of the church. Don't get confused. Don't lose your way. Don't think, well, I thought. No, 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 no. The church's mission is the mission of Christ, okay? And Christ's commission is our commission. Don't get confused. Don't lose that. The hand of the Lord's upon me. And it involves things like, involves things like preaching the good news to the poor. It involves things like, you know, uh, send me to release... You proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight of, to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is what we are about. And would you agree with me today that these are difficult, dark times in the culture that we call America? What is the answer? The answer is the church following the commission and mission of Jesus Christ. 
You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says this, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, if you're note-taking or if you did find your way into the worship event, underline that, highlight that because it's so important. We are ambassadors for Christ. Our mission, our commission is that we, listen, 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 we represent the King of Kings. We are the herald. We are the proclaimer of the message of the kingdom of God. Dwayne, what is the church? The church, we are ambassadors. We, we speak for the king of kings, and we speak for the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors. Long before, listen, I don't know what your life is like. I don't know what you, how you identify and what you are. But long before you're a political activist, you are an ambassador for Christ if you know Jesus Christ. You know, long before, you know, long before if you're a, a sports enthusiast and that's really big in your life, long before you're a sports enthusiast, you are an ambassador for Christ. Long before, I don't know what your job is, maybe you're a coal miner, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're a preacher. Long before you have those callings on your life, you are an ambassador for Christ. Being an ambassador for Christ is not part, a part-time job, it is a full-time job. Now, now, you can be a part-time Baptist, and you can be a part-time church member, but, man, when it comes to being an ambassador for Christ, that is it. That is our calling. That is our mantra. That is our identity. We are ambassadors for Christ. And listen to this. Listen to this. Since God is making his appeal through us. In other words, you know, Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. He's speaking through us. You know, you know God said, I'm not willing that any should perish. How many? I'm not willing that any should perish, but all should come to redemption. He wants to speak that message. How? Through us. He could have wrote it in the stars. He could have wrote it in the sky. But he chose to use us. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead them. We're going to embrace the task. We're going to embrace the challenge of that today. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Oh, what a marvelous message this, this cross is. What a marvelous message. That we were broken and separated from God. All of mankind, every person ever born was broken and separated from God. And then God sends his son Jesus to die on a Roman cross, something like this. And he bleeds and dies willingly because the payment for sin is death. And he was willing to die for our sins so that God could offer us the gift of eternal life. So we appeal, you know, be reconciled to God. The, The message, the message that the world, the culture around us needs to hear in America is not one of, this is, you know, religion. It's not one of of Southern Baptist Convention. It's not one of, this is what we say. The message that the world needs to hear is be reconciled to God. That's what we're all about. And, you know, can I be honest? I think not, not every church, and maybe not even this church, but churches have lost their way. We, we forgot what we're about. We forgot what we're called to do. We forgot that we're ambassadors for Christ. We've forgotten that God is making his appeal through us. Now, listen, do you understand that the church is plan... Did you know the church is plan A? And there is no plan B? Did you know when God said, listen, church, I'm going to empower you with, with the message of Christ. He didn't say, if you don't get it done, I'll call the angels. No, we're it. And we, we, we are making his appeal through us. I mean, we plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled. Be reconciled. Come home to God. Hey, prodigal, come home. Hey, broken Peter, come home. Hey, broken David Bathsheba, come home. Whatever it is, listen, we appeal to you. Be reconciled. Come back to God. That's the message that he has for us. Well, back to Ezekiel. So the hand of the Lord 
was, was on him. And the Bible says that God takes him, and this might sound familiar, he brought me by his spirit and he set me down in the middle of the valley. Do you remember just a couple weeks ago we talked about Jesus? And you remember they were at the Jordan River and, and you know, Jesus gets baptized, dove flies down symbolizing the Holy Spirit, and, and you know, booming voice from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the Bible says then he's led by the spirit where? Into the wilderness. How that make no sense whatsoever? Okay. And then when I was at the wilderness, he was hungry and he was tempted. Remember all that? Well, Ezekiel kind of has the same experience. You know, he's, you know, here he is a prophet, one to teach, and God takes him and set him down in the middle of the valley. And I bet, I bet, you know, six to one, you know, I, I bet, I bet Ezekiel will go, excuse me, God, I'm your prophet, and there ain't nobody here. I'm supposed to be a preacher. I'm supposed to be a teacher. I'm supposed to be a proclaimer, and there ain't nobody but dead bones here, Lord. Sometimes valleys are very confusing. Isn't today confusing? It just really is. Morally, it's crazy. Politically, it's crazy. Whatever you call the COVID mess, and I'm not sure what adjective to throw on that, it's crazy. It's crazy. And we don't like valleys. You know, you know what Billy Graham said? Billy Graham said, mountaintops are for views and inspiration. Listen. But it's the valleys that bear fruit. Amen. Listen. There is no more exciting time to be a believer in Jesus Christ than right now. Because I'm telling you, culture is ripe for revival. You know, I asked Carrie Jones in the first service. I know Carrie. I said, hey, Carrie, from up here. I said, hey, Carrie, do you like to fish? Yeah. You like to catch fish? Yeah. And you know, the more you catch, the better it is. I'm telling you, for the church of God, it is a ripe time to be a member of the church of God. It's a ripe time to be a believer because culture is in such a mess. And I know, I know, we hear, well, they don't want to hear it anymore. Really? Really? You know, we were down there, uh, and I can't give you the whole story, but we were down there at, at, in Keylar, or Key, where we had you, Key Colony. And, you know, there's a small beach there, and we walk up and struck up a conversation with a man and his wife and it came pretty obvious they were not believers in Christ. But anyway, so, so we talked, and he says, hey, are you coming back tonight? I said, yeah, well, yeah, we'll come back down to the beach tonight. We really hadn't planned on it, but, you know. So, so we got back from the sunset thing, and we're sitting there, and I said, gee, we need to go down to the beach because they might be waiting on us. And sure enough, there they were. And boy, wasn't, Brandon was not long, and we're in a God conversation. You know, he's a, we're in God conversation. And, and we talked about God. We talked about Jesus. It's so weird because he had this big tattoo on his arm, faith. And he goes, you know, all that's necessary is that you believe. I said, now, wait, dude. I said, it's, it's important you don't know what you're believing in. You know, you might believe. I said, you might believe that palm tree can make a difference in your life. But, but the palm tree can't. It's important that you know it's Jesus Christ. He was Catholic. And I said, it's important you know, you know Jesus Christ. And here's the deal. He had an interest because he showed that, okay, when we finished, you know what he said? No, I didn't get saved. But you know what he said? Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you so much. Amen. So much. I'll tell you another story another time about part two, but that's part one. He was hungry to talk about God. Don't let, listen, don't let Satan convince you that people don't want to hear the good news of the gospel. Amen. One of the ways he stymies the power of the church is convincing us that no one wants to hear the message. They do 
want to hear the message. They do want to hear the message. So if you find yourself in a valley, just understand this. God is sovereign. If you are, well, first off, we are living in a dark valley right now, culturally speaking. But I'm telling you, God is able to bring about great results, just like our friend Ezekiel is about to figure out. You know, I love this. In John, or excuse me, in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, there's a story about a guy named Philip. Remember Philip? You know, it's called Philip the Evangelist. He was, man, he was over here, Brent, and God's using him in great ways. People are getting saved and all this. And then this comes. While he's doing all his thing and, boy, people are being saved, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road. I mean, you're talking about a lonely highway. That was it, the desert road. It goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And, and I'm so glad Philip said, well, you know what? I don't understand this. I know I'm, I'm being used here, but God says, go, I'll go. And he went and he meets this guy, uh, Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, he was a treasurer uh, for, for the queen of Ethiopia. And he ends up getting saved. And listen, one day when we get to heaven, we're going to find out all what that meant. I know it's just one man, but it's one very important man who had the ear of the queen and others, and others. You know, kind of interesting, I never thought about this, but you know, they say a lot of the early church stuff took place where? In Ethiopia, in Ethiopia. We'll never know the story until we get to heaven, just how much it happened. So he found himself in the valley, okay, but he was willing, he was willing to be used of God. Well, what did his valley look like? Well, look, the Bible says when he got there, this valley was full of bones. This valley was full of bones. He said this, you know, in verse number one, the first part, you know, it says it was full of bones. Now, if you were a preacher, okay, if you're a preacher, what would you think about this? I mean, Ezekiel, Ezekiel preached a lot of dead audiences, but this took the cake. I mean, he's a preacher, he's a preacher, and here you go, wow, there's bones, okay? Here's the deal. Here's, listen to this, here's the deal. What Ezekiel saw as a cemetery, God said was an opportunity. What Ezekiel saw as a cemetery, God saw as an opportunity. As an opportunity. Yeah, you know, I, I, I thought about in between services. You know, she's a story about the two guys who went to Africa to, to sell shoes. Okay? And one guy, you know, one guy wrote back to the company and said, Bring me home. No one hears wear shoes. No one wears shoes. And the other guy wrote back and said, send me all the shoes you got. No one's got any. What is your perspective with the gospel? What is your perspective with the gospel? It was full of bones. He could have said, as a cemetery, I'll give up and go home. Or he could realize, wait a minute, God's got something to do here. Okay? Well, he led me all around them. So he gave him a tour of the bones. He wanted them, he wanted them to feel. He wanted Ezekiel to feel the need of the moment. He wanted to see the need, experience the need. He led me all around them. And there were a great many of them on the surface of the valley. And here's go. Here's, here's Ezekiel's conclusion. And they were very dry. And they were very dry. Uh, number one, they've been there a long time. They have been a long time. You know, the Jews believe that, you know, if a body, after four days, the, the spirit left the body and there could be no resurrection, okay, these guys were way past four days. They were bleached, white, dead bones. And because of that, they were beyond resurrection or rest, 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 uh, to breathe again. Beyond hope. Beyond hope. Thank you, sir. I got it in first service. Couldn't get it out in second service. Resuscitation. Beyond hope. Beyond hope. Isn't that the way it seems? 
in this, in this valley that we're in, and we look around our culture, and there's very little good news. And that's why I've encouraged you to quit watching too much of the news or any of the news. We, we take a tour of our culture, and everywhere it seems it could go south, it goes south. There's a great many of these dry bones around, very dry bones. It'd be awfully easy to say, it's over. We should just, oh, 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 as a church, we should just huddle up, us few, and us sing our worship songs, and let's go home and feel good about it. That ain't what God wants us to do. There's something much, much more than that that he wants to do. See, see, the miracle of the gospel, the miracle of the gospel is that nothing has to be as it seems. Again, Ezekiel sees the bones and says, wow, cemetery, not much happening here, okay? But, but listen to this. You know, the miracle of the gospel is that nothing has to be as it seems. Um, uh, death becomes life. I love going to the cemetery and sharing the good news. We stand there and there's the casket of the body of the loved one. And I always tell them, nah, most of the time I tell them, just look beyond the casket over into heaven, talking about a believer, over into heaven. Because this is not about death. It's about life. Death doesn't have to be the end. Um, hopelessness becomes hope. The end doesn't become, uh, becomes a beginning. Nothing is done. Nothing is done till God says it is done. Nothing is done till God says it is done. In verse number 3, God speaks. Then he says to his preacher, he says to the preacher, he says, hey, son of man, can these bones live again? Now, remember, he's talking about Israel. You know, he, he sees in these bones, you know, he, he's figured out it represents Israel. You know, can these bones live again? Hey, hey, Mr. Preacher, prophet, is there any hope for the nation of Israel? Can these bones live again? And what would you have said? I mean, come on, come on, come on. I know you're talking to God and you say what God wants to hear. You say, well, of course, absolutely. I need to tell you this. Our question might be different, but it's just as appropriate. Terry, can the law still be saved? Can, can George still be saved? Is it possible? George is a friend of Terry's, an atheist. Can he be saved? Can he be saved? Can, can your neighbor, can your, can, your can your child who's walked so far from God, who maybe bought the lie that's been sold them in this millennial age, is it possible, God, for them to be saved? Is it possible? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Can, can God revive his church? Can we once again find our identity? Can we understand that the highest calling we have is that we are ambassadors for Christ and it's not about us, it's about them and it's about Him? Can we? Yes. Yes, yes. Can Listen, can, can culture be swayed and changed? Listen, God, I didn't say this in first service, but I'm going to say it very plainly. If you think somehow the United States has special favor of God, you're just wrong. The United States is a nation of people, and the nation as a whole today has turned their back on God. So, but can God revive people, and can God revive this nation? And the answer is yes. 
The answer is yes. But don't think that's true because the United States has somehow got special favor with God. Listen, the favor of God is through this cross. And any man, woman, child, regardless of what English say, what language they speak, I'm telling you, they can find the favor of God. Amen. They can find the favor of God. Can these bones live again? And the answer is, as far as God's concerned, yes. Ezekiel gives the coolest answer. He gives an honest answer. Well, Lord, only you know. He wasn't being skeptical. He's being honest. He's being wise. Can these bones live again? Well, Lord, it's up to you. It's your call. If you call them to life, they can come alive. If not, they stay dead. It's all on you, God. See, our teaching point is this. You know, practically speaking, I know, I know. We look at our culture and, and, and we remember the good old days, whatever that is and whenever that was, and we say, well, practically speaking, I just don't know. Quit being practical. Be people of faith. You know, you know well, politically speaking, you know, we're all messed up politically. Quit being political and be a people of faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's try this one. You know, religiously speaking, quit being religious and be a people of faith. And if you're all wrapped up in theology and theology only, not, not about the Word of God changing you, but knowing, quit being theological and be a people of faith. See, the final word is this. What does God say? That's what matters it doesn't matter what our preachers say or, or your friend says or the government says. It's what God says because God's the boss. Amen. God's in charge. Only you know, Lord. Well, he gives the commission to Ezekiel. He said to me, prophesy, I want you to preach and I want you to proclaim. I want you to preach, I want you to proclaim um, concerning these bones, speaking to the bones, speaking to the cemetery, okay? I want you to say this to them. Dry bones... Call them spade to spade. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. The power is in Christ, but the truth is the word of God. The reason Jesus said, or reason that God spoke to the prophet and said, hear the word of God, because the word of God is true, the word of God is alive, and the word of God is powerful. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Of God, so so speak to them the word of God. Listen to what Jesus said in in John six sixty three. Again, if you're taking notes, write this one down. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Let me translate that for you. Hey God, you're the only one who can. Hey God, hey God, there's nothing better than you. Amen. Nothing better than you. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human, na- human effort accomplishes nothing. Folks, the answer is not a new political system. Amen. I know I'm on dangerous ground. Not because it's political, but because it's the truth. Amen. We honestly believe that we can fix America. We being the American people. The American people cannot fix America. Jesus Christ can fix America. That's who can fix America. The answer has been and will be forever Jesus Christ. Human effort accomplishes. By the way, notice he doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say it accomplishes a little bit. Um, it, it might work. He says, no, 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 no. The Spirit 
alone gives eternal life. The Spirit is the answer. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And we wonder why we're frustrated. Because we're trying to fix America. We're trying to fix our neighbor. We're trying to fix our... Come on, let's go with it, Wayne. All right, here we go. We're trying to fix our wives. We're trying to fix our husbands. We're trying to fix our kids. And the Bible says human effort accomplishes nothing. Quit buying your husband the books and pray for him. Quit buying your, you know, the fix it. You know, you wives go out and buy all these good books, you know, and leave them on the night table for him to read that he never picks up. Pray for him. I'll never forget when Jeremy hadn't come back to church and I go see Linda Summers. Oh, oh, preacher, I'm so worried about Jeremy. Oh, he, he knows y'all be coming to church. And that's Jeremy the story. Oh, he knows y'all to come to church. Oh, preacher. I finally said, Linda, quit preaching and start praying. Amen. There's power in prayer. You want to see America change? What'd you say? Pray. You want to see your children change? Pray. You want to see your husband change? Pray. You want to see your wife change? Pray. You want to see your community change? Pray. And not say, God, zap them. God loved them and changed them through the power of the gospel. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words that I speak to you are life. Are life. Well, back to Ezekiel. Verses 5 and 6. This was kind of like a summation of God's big plan. This is what the Lord says to the bones. Ezekiel, I'm telling you, now you tell the bones this. This is what the Lord says to these bones. I will call. Somebody say, I will cause. Uh-huh. Notice, no, they say, they didn't get this in first service. God didn't say to Ezekiel, now Ezekiel, it's all up to you. Figure it out. Now, Ezekiel, if you just had a bigger budget. Now, Ezekiel, if you had a better building. Now, Ezekiel, if this, Ezekiel, no, 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 no. He says, I will cause. It'll be God. If revival comes, it'll be God. If renewal comes, it'll be God. If people are saved, it'll be God. I will cause breath to enter you. Speaking to the bones. Breath to enter you. And you will live. You know, remember the question, can these bones live? Well, I don't know, Lord. It's up to you. Okay, well, here's 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 my take. Here's what I want you to do. Listen, tell them that, listen, listen, I will give you breath. And hey, dry bones, you're going to live. What did God say? I'm not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. You will live. I will put tendons on you and make flesh to grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you will come to life. And then you'll know that I'm God. I reckon so. I mean, I reckon so. If, if bones, all of a sudden, bones started coming together and tendons and skin covered, I reckon I would think it was God. Amen. Amen? Be sure and give him the honor and glory that he deserves. I love this teaching point. You know, a sea divides. A, a river, a river wall, a sea divides. Remember, he turns, he turns seas into highways. A river divides. You know, when they were going over to, to Jericho, the water stopped. And they went across some dry ground. Ooh, ooh, a virgin conceives and bears a child. And not just a child, the very son of God. And then there's this dead man that they nailed to a Roman cross. And put him in a grave for three days. And on the third day, he came back to life never to die again. Nothing. Somebody say nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Believe this. Believe this. Nothing is impossible 
with God. God can change your family. God can change churches. God can change a nation. God can change a world because nothing is impossible with God. In Isaiah 55, 11, the, the prophet says, So my word, God speaking, So my word that comes from my mouth, talking about God, will not return to me empty. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. It, it will accomplish your plan, but God says it accomplish mine. Amen. It accomplish mine. Well, Ezekiel obeys. Verse 7, so I prophesied, I had been commanded, and when I was prophesying, there was a noise, and here it is, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone on bone. There was a noise, and the bones started coming together. Now, here's the deal. Bones rattling is good, but don't stop. In fact, that's the teaching point. You know, the bones came together, but it was not enough just to have the structure. It wasn't enough. It wasn't. Ezekiel could have said, well, thank you, God. We got the bones together. I appreciate that. No, 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 no. See, it's just the structure. There was more. There was more. And there must be more. And so then, then he says, the Bible, or the Bible says that he looked, in verse number 8, he looked and tendons appeared on them. Flesh grew. Skin covered them. But there was still no breath. So, so here now, they went from bones, and the bones came together, and all of a sudden, tendons and skin, all this started growing on these bodies, on these skeletons. Wow. And Ezekiel goes, said, well, look at there. How about that? But the problem was they were still dead. See, you can look alive and be dead. Yep. That's what religion is. Religion looks alive, but it's dead. See? See? America just doesn't need a cultural shift. I know a lot of us would be satisfied if we just get our heads screwed on with, with you know, our morals, our moral culture. We would be satisfied with that. But God, God's got something bigger in mind than just changing our, our moral culture. He, he, he's got something bigger in mind than straightening out our moral compass. Okay? Some of us would be satisfied with a religious revival. We know, well, what, if we, what if church attendance increased 50% across the nation? Wow! What if there's no life in those churches? See, God had a bigger plan. You know, he, he had a bigger plan than, than tendons and flesh and skin. See, it's not enough to look alive. A lifeless body is still lifeless without the breath of life. In the same way, we need that life-giving breath. I'm so glad Ezekiel kept following God and God wasn't done yet. You know, he said, verse, thir- verse 9, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say, say to it, this is what God says. And by the way, what matters? What God says. Amen. Okay? So this is what the Lord God says. Breath, come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. And let's just go to verse number 10, Nancy. He says, so I, I prophesied. I prophesied as he commanded. And the breath, entered them and they came to life and stood on their feet a vast army. What had been dry bones dead became flesh and breath and lived. 
if God can do it in a vision with Ezekiel, he can do it today in our culture. Amen. He can do it in our culture. Now listen, what that means is, we got to go back to 2 Corinthians. We are ambassadors of Christ. It comes back, you know, God again, we're plan, we're plan A. It comes back again to us being the people that God has called us and made us to be. To share the gospel when we get opportunities. To live the gospel as we have opportunity. And we have to be so careful in these days because that is so difficult. Um, again, COVID, politics, whatever it might be. Whatever's rattling your world right now, we've got to be careful that we stay focused. And remember that first and foremost, we are ambassadors of Christ. Just want to read this to you and we're done. Um, Laverne did, and her team did an incredible job with the decorations today. And I don't say that just to give her a compliment, but what she did in the foyer. That big banner that was written again to the nation of Israel, but it's like God could take that scripture and put it right smack dab in the book of Acts. Here's what it says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Realize that we can't do it, but he can. And, and pray. We talked about prayer, remember, Brent? And pray. And seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Repent. Then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sins. And I will heal their land. It's like God wrote a recipe for revival in that verse. And I want to leave you. First off, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, I want to encourage you to come and talk to Brent at the front. We're not peddling religion. We're not peddling Southern Baptists. We are telling you about Jesus. And for a lot of us, it's been a lot of years. And he's been faithful and true. And we want to tell you about that today. If you're here today and you're a Christ follower, a Christ follower, don't be discouraged. In fact, again, there's more fish in the pond than ever before. It's a great time to be fishing for men. It's a great time for the church to be the church. But to do that, we've got to stay focused on who we are. We are are ambassadors for Christ. Before we're anything else, we are ambassadors for Christ. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, how good you are to us who are so unworthy. Thank you, God, for us being your plan A. Thank you for entrusting the gospel of the kingdom to men and women who know your name. Father, I want to pray that whether it be on Facebook or the radio or right in this room, if there's someone who has never put their faith and trust in Jesus, oh, may today be that day. May they understand that without your grace and his blood, they are separated for eternity from you. We pray for our neighbors. I pray for the man I talked to on the beach and his wife. Father, to be saved, that somehow a seed was planted. I pray for that, Lord. Father, I pray for us. 
that we will be your catalyst for revival in this world. Help us to seek opportunities to share the gospel. Help us to live in such a way that people know we've been with you. Father, please, we ask for movement. Father, starting in your